What is up, plant people? Hey, today's Wednesday, uh, the 27th of January in the year 2021, and this is Vikram Baligan. I'm your host for the Planthropology Podcast, the show where we dive into the lives, or where we normally dive into the lives, careers, ambitions, and overall awesomeness of some really cool plant people. But today's episode is part of a different series. So I don't have a guest today. I'm not interviewing anyone. And today is part of our Plants in World Traditions series. And so we're going to be doing one of these episodes every month where either I talk to you myself, that probably will often be the case, but I may try to bring in some special guests that represent some of these different cultures that we discuss uh, to tell me their perspective on it on and their um, knowledge and everything else about the subject. I think that would be really cool. And so um, today's episode, it, it, it was supposed to come out yesterday. And so here's a little bit of irony for you. This episode was supposed to be out on Tuesday, like normal. Um, but I was just so tired yesterday that I did not get it all done. I didn't get it all done. It happens sometimes. You know, it happens to the best of us. I've said this before, but I'm not necessarily the best of us. But it happens to everyone. Um, and it's ironic but today, because today's episode is about caffeine. We're talking about staying awake. And uh, apparently there was just not enough coffee to keep my brain running well enough to get this all edited and cut together yesterday. So, um, yeah. So, uh, our first Plants and World Traditions episode came out in December, and it was about plants of the winter solstice, and that was a really popular one. Y'all seem to really dig that episode. So I've thought a lot about different ways to approach this and different ways to do this, Um, and so some of it will be by region, some of it will be by topic. It just really depends on the month and what we're discussing, but today we're going to take a look at caffeine, and caffeine sources used by different peoples all over the world throughout time. We'll talk about coffee, we'll talk about caffeine itself, why it keeps you awake, should be fairly short, but I think it'll be a fun episode. So buckle up, grab a cup of coffee, chug your iced tea, make some delicious matcha or yerba mate, and let's dive in to episode 38 of the Planthropology Podcast, Plants in World Traditions, Staying Awake. All right. Well, let's start off, I think, by talking about caffeine itself. Now, caffeine is um, everyone's favorite drug. Uh, probably not everyone's favorite drug, but it is a uh, common, commonly used, socially acceptable drug to consume. And it is. Uh, caffeine is a central nervous system stimulant that wakes you up and keeps you awake. And about, at least in the U.S., about 80% of adults consume some amount of caffeine every single day. Every single day, 80% is a pretty big number. Um, So it is commonly used, it's socially acceptable, but it's a drug, right? So there are ways that caffeine affects your body. Um, And it comes from a lot of sources, which we'll talk about in a little bit. Now, I am not a uh, animal biologist or a human biologist by any means, any means, but basically... There's a few things at play here which um, caffeine works on. And this is a very uh, simplified version of how this works, okay? So I'm just going to give you the cliff notes. You can dig into it a little bit more. And if one of you smart human brain uh, biology people wants to correct me on this or uh, come on sometime and talk to me 
in fact, even better, about how caffeine works in the brain and the body, I would love to do that. So if you know more than I do about this, which is very likely, give me a call, shoot me a message, let's chat, let's do the thing. Okay, so there's a few things at play here. Uh, There is something called adenosine, adenosine, and that's really our big player here. This is the thing that caffeine affects, or the receptor, one of the receptors for adenosine is what caffeine affects so you don't get sleepy. So uh, adenosine is um, something that binds with receptors in your brain. It's a chemical that binds with receptors in your brain. And as you go through the day, Uh, and you do work, as adenosine is um, produced, right? It is part of uh, a biological process that takes you through the day, and then you get sleepy, and it causes you to get sleepy. So uh, it's produced primarily from physical work, and intense brain use. So over the course of the day, your body begins to accumulate adenosine. Well, there is an A1 receptor in your brain, and when more and more adenosine starts floating around your system, it starts binding with these A1 receptors. Um, As that happens, it's like adenosine is the key that opens this lock. And as that happens, it promotes uh, muscle relaxation. It promotes sleepiness, which is one of the reasons we get tired as the day goes on. It's one of these things that helps us know, okay, we need to rest now. We need to make sure that that um, our body can heal, we need to take the time for our body to recuperate. As we sleep, uh, adenosine is metabolized out of our system. Those A1 receptors um, unbind, they open back up, and we start to wake up. Adenosine can also bind to this A2A receptor, uh, which interferes in some ways with the release of mood-improving neurotransmitters, like dopamine and other things that wake us up, make us feel happy. One of the major roles of adenosine in our lives is to make sure that we sleep and that we stay asleep and that our body is not dumping too much dopamine into our system to get us excited and awake and all of those things. Well, uh, this is a good thing, right? We, we need to be able to sleep. Um, adenosine is one of our best known and most active sleep regulating molecules. It's important. But enter caffeine because we probably are not practicing healthy sleep habits. We want to be able to wake up. So if you sleep long enough and you sleep correctly and, you know, you wake up at the right point in your sleep cycle and, you know, your phone is not yelling at you at 6 a.m. to get up before you're really done, um, sometimes there is adenosine still floating around in your system that hasn't really been metabolized. So when you wake up, you're kind of groggy. Some of those receptors are still bound and you're really just not getting that endorphin dump that that gets you excited, gets you awake, and gets um, your body really waking up and working. So caffeine is a thing that we've found uh, that works in this system. Now, it doesn't really do anything specifically, or as far as I understand, it doesn't really do anything when it binds to these A1 and A2A receptors. But what it does do is get in the way of adenosine. So it's not unlocking the key or it's not opening this lock. Think of it as like you're trying to get in and open your front door and you know find all the dopamine and all this stuff and someone's stuck a key in the lock already and you can't get it out for a while. And so you can't get in your house. You can't open that door. That's kind of what caffeine molecules do. They're not 
active necessarily, again, as far as I understand it, um, at these A1 receptors, but they keep adenosine from binding to A1 receptors, okay? Um, and that's what wakes you up. It gives you a jolt of wake, wakefulness because your brain thinks, oh, these receptors are open. Since the caffeine's not really acting on them, it starts to dump dopamine, you get happy, you feel good, you wake up, and all of those things. But over time, um, that caffeine also metabolizes out of your system. Um, it takes probably about 15 minutes for you to really feel the effects of caffeine. Um, and then it can last up to six hours in your system with um, generally your peak um, binding or whatever, the peak activity about, oh, two to three hours after you drink um, caffeine, but over time, your uh, caffeine starts to metabolize out of your system. The adenosine that is still present starts hitting those A1 and A2A binding sites. You get tired, you get sleepy, sometimes your mood uh, depresses, and you don't like feel as awake and as alert as possible. And sometimes in some people, that come down is pretty hard. That crash is pretty hard where you go from like, all those receptors being bound up to them or being open essentially to being bound up in like a really short amount of time. And so that wave of sleepiness or the wave of some, in some cases it feels like, you know, sadness um, hits you pretty fast. And so you reach for another cup of coffee or, or whatever. Well, uh, that's again, a basic way of how it works, but you can see some of the issues, right? If you say drink a cup of coffee two hours before bed, um, there is a good chance, unless you've developed a tolerance to caffeine, that it's going to start plugging up the spaces where all those adenosine receptors um, need to, to, to be active, right? Where all those all that adenosine needs to bind with these A1 and A2A receptors. Um, that can be a problem if you want to go to sleep, which, you know, at some point we generally do want to go to sleep. Now, I... Um, have a pretty high tolerance for caffeine because I drink a lot of caffeine. And I always say that I can drink a cup of coffee and go straight to bed. And that's really pretty true, but I don't sleep super restfully those nights because even though I'm asleep, even though like my body goes to sleep, um, my brain is still fairly active because it's still releasing dopamine. All these things are happening. And so, um, even though I sleep, I don't necessarily sleep well. So a lot of people recommend you have a, a, a cup of caffeine or, or you have your caffeine mostly in the morning or early afternoon or really limit the amount you consume after lunchtime. I'm, as I record this, drinking a cup of coffee and it's like four in the afternoon. Um, but really, you want it mostly metabolized out of your system before you try to go to bed. Um, that is, again, an overview of how, how caffeine works. Now, the question that comes up a lot is, is it safe? Can you drink caffeine? Uh, yes, mostly. Yes and no. Um, it is an addictive substance. You can be develop um, a chemical dependency to caffeine. Now, there are we could split hairs maybe about uh, dependency versus addiction and all of those things. But the fact is, uh, it can do things like um, increase your heart rate, increase your blood pressure, um, uh, mess with your blood sugar levels, sometimes mess with your stomach acids, uh, and it can, you know, induce dizziness, hypoglycemia, uh, weird breath 
smells, breath smells, weird breath, and a few other things. So caffeine in large doses can have some negative effects on people. Generally, it's considered that 400 milligrams of caffeine per day is pretty safe for an adult. Um, That is four to five eight-ounce cups of coffee. So, you know, uh, a regularly brewed cup of coffee that you brew like in your drip coffee maker or whatever um, probably contains somewhere between 80 and um, 160 milligrams of caffeine. So if you like to brew your coffee really strong, if you use a uh, type of roast that has a lot more caffeine in it, you're probably going to get a little bit more than that, right? But but generally, about four cups of coffee is pretty safe. Now, a cup is a literal cup, eight ounces. So 32 ounces of coffee, 32 to 40 ounces of coffee will get you in that 400 milligram per day range. And it's considered to be really fairly safe. However, if you go over that, if you are more sensitive to it, uh, there can be some issues. It can cause you a few problems. Again, uh, mostly nervous system problems, sometimes issues sleeping, uh, issues with anxiety and things like that. Another side of it is because you can become chemically dependent to caffeine, there are legitimate withdrawal symptoms if you stop caffeine. Uh, I've experienced this. I was sick one time. I had a food poisoning or something. I ate a Taco Bell, actually, and got food poisoning. So do with that what you will. Um, But that weekend that I was sick, I was like, oh, my stomach's already upset. I probably don't want to drink a cup of coffee. It can be a diuretic, and it can, you know, uh, have some other effects on your stomach. Well, uh, I started getting sick uh, Friday uh, Monday rolls around and I'm still not feeling better. I had to take time off of work. Uh, I realized that I'm starting to get dizzy. I'm having trouble focusing. I've got the sweats. I've got the shakes. Um, I'm running a low fever. Um, my body's clammy and cold. I'm irritable and all of these things. And I was like, oh man, do I have the flu? Am I sick? And I started to think about it. I was getting a migraine. I had headaches. My body hurt. And I was like, oh no, I haven't had caffeine in like four days. And I was in a full-blown chemical withdrawal um, from caffeine. So I got up and I took uh, an Excedrin migraine, which is pretty much like, you know, a pain reliever with caffeine in it. And like 20 minutes later, I was fine. Totally felt fine. And so uh, you can develop a real dependency to this and you can actually like hit some serious withdrawal symptoms. Um, If you're trying to quit caffeine, uh, it's probably best to step it down. Um, cold turkey sucks, I can tell you that. Um, but but it is possible, right, where you reduce your amount of caffeine consumption, and over the course of, you know, a couple of weeks, you can really reduce your dependency on it. So that is an overview of how caffeine works in your system. It's very simple for sure, but it, it's interesting. So if you're um, interested in learning more, go read about it a little bit. But I'm going to take a break real quick. I'm going to tell you some stuff, and then um, we will be back and talk about some of the sources of caffeine worldwide and um, talk about a little bit of the history of it, not necessarily too much, um, but we will get into some of the different ways you can have caffeine. Hello there. Welcome to the break. Um, Not too much to talk about today. I just wanted to uh, say hi and keep this format, right? Are you doing well? 
I hope you're really doing well. Hey, a couple things. Um, first, thank you to everyone that supports the show on Patreon. This this is a huge help. Um, you know, it goes towards paying for the show, for hosting, for equipment, and everything else. Um, we are supported generously by the university and the Texas Tech Department of Plant and Soil Science. Pays for a lot of our stuff. Uh, but every bit that gets donated either goes directly into the show or it goes back into horticulture education and it gets donated uh, to the horticultural gardens here and to the department so that we can keep providing the very best horticulture edu- horticultural education experience here in Lubbock, America that we can at Texas Tech University. Um, follow the show in all the places on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, we have a lot of fun. Join the, um, in the Plant Apologies Cool Plant People Facebook group. It's a great group. You want to be in it. Uh, also, check out a couple of our partners. Uh, Local LBK, which is a great service if you're ever in the area. For as little as five bucks a month, you can get discounts all over town. Um, great deals, and you support local businesses and local industry. Also, Pecan Ridge. If you need pecans or gifts from local businesses to send to other humans that you like, check out Pecan Ridge. You can order online. They will mail nutty goodness straight to your door. Use the promo code PLANTPEOPLE, all lowercase, all one word, at checkout for 10% off your order. Um... Yeah, that's all. Keep listening. Use your ears. And uh, we'll have maybe a trailer or two next week and maybe some other fun stuff to tell you. Back to the show. All right. Well, let's talk about some of the sources of caffeine from around the world and throughout time. And there's a lot of them, right? There's about 60 plants overall that we know of that contain caffeine in some form. Some of them are safer than others, and some of them are certainly more palatable than others. But there's a few that are used commonly. Now, uh, as, as a lot of the things we're going to talk about in this series, this is not an extensive list. The world is a big place. And there's a lot of cultures and a lot of ways that some of these products are used around the world um, that, that, you know, we can't necessarily practically go into in depth in every episode. But this is maybe a starting point for some of your own research and some of uh, some other things that may get you interested in some of these topics. So I think when people think about caffeine consumption today, we think about coffee. Coffee is certainly the most... Um, popular, probably the most popular um, source of caffeine today, right? Everyone, at least in the U.S., drinks coffee. Now, tea consumption, which we'll talk about in a second, is uh, more popular in in different parts of the world. But um, here in the U.S., uh, we drink lots and lots and lots and lots of coffee, Lots of coffee. Again, about 80% of people have um, some kind of um, caffeine during the day, and a lot of those people get that through a cup of coffee, whether it be espresso or a latte drink or something like that. Coffee was probably first produced as a drink in Ethiopia, and it's still wild there. So that's one of our main sources of coffee. I really like a good Ethiopian coffee. I think it's the flavor is great. I think the way it balances when it brews is great. I'm a fan of Ethiopian coffee. It's not everyone's favorite, but uh, but I really like it. Um, through about in about the fourth century A.D., some of this consumption started to spread east from Ethiopia, and uh, 
which is interesting, right? So that was the birthplace. It moved into Europe. It moved into Asia. And then eventually it made it over to the Americas. And now coffee's grown all over the world. Uh, South America grows a lot of coffee. Um, We don't get a lot of coffee production in North America, maybe some in Central America. But South America, Africa, huge, uh, you know, I will say uh, Hawaii grows some great Kona coffee. They do grow it there. It needs high elevations in general. Uh, a fairly cool, wet climate, um, and well-drained kind of mountainous soil. So you see them grown a lot on the sides of hills or on the sides of mountains. Um, You rarely see a coffee plantation just out on the flat plains in the universe. And so um, generally, probably only about 5% of Ethiopia's coffee or you know, the world's coffee for sure is less than this, but only about 5% is probably wild coffee. Um, Most of it is Arabica coffee that we have bred and selected for and now grow all over the world. And it's shipped worldwide. Um, Fair trade coffee is a big thing. Uh, Make sure that as you buy it, if possible, you know, um, that the farmers who grew it are treated treated well. Because in some of these countries, they're paid barely anything for their product. And then you end up at Green Mermaid beverage restaurant place uh, and you pay $37 for a latte um, when the farmer that actually produced it may have gotten fractions of cents um, for that same cup of coffee. Um, Probably another major source of caffeine worldwide is tea. There's a lot of tea consumed. Um, Probably started in Asia. Uh, We don't really necessarily know when it was first used or at least I don't necessarily know when it was first used and domesticated, but there's legends that there was a Chinese emperor that was boiling water in his garden, and a tea leaf fell off of his plant into a pot, and he tried it, enjoyed its flavor, found that it was um, um, stimulating, and it woke him up, and he felt good and refreshed after that, Um, and, and then it started to be grown and used widely. Tea is drank all over the world. Um, India, China, Japan, uh, Asia drinks a lot of tea. From there, it spread into Europe through probably the English occupation of India, as well as trade with the Far East. And then uh, tea is not as big of a drink in the United States, but we drink a lot of tea. There's a lot of different varieties of it, different forms of it. Um, but it's 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 a it's a good beverage. It does not have the caffeine content of um, coffee, so people don't probably drink quite as much of it, or maybe they drink more of it to keep them awake. I don't know exactly how that uh, sort of shakes out. But black tea, some varieties of tea, especially like black tea, can have about as much caffeine as a cup of coffee per ounce. And so, um, yeah, there's a lot of good teas out there. Uh, I find that teas tend to be fairly soothing. Um, We talked earlier about how there's two basic ways that um, caffeine affects the brain. There's the A1 receptor that wakes you up, or, or blocking the A1 receptor wakes you up. But blocking the A2A receptor, uh, keeping adenosine out of that, can make you happier without really making you, um, you know, more awake because you get a little bit of a dopamine dump from some of these uh, less caffeinated um, forms of 
uh, caffeine or, or these less caffeinated foods and beverages. Another one that we find is the cola nut. The cola nut. So um, if you look at natural ingredients on a can of soda, um, some of that flavoring may have come from the cola nut. Uh, it may, it's grown in Africa, Central and South America. Sometimes you'll see it called the guru nut or something like that. Um, and it's traditionally used in foods and beverages and is um, served to guests a lot of times in different cultural and social ceremonies. A lot of times it's also used in traditional um, medicines and things like that. It's about the size of a chestnut. Uh, you can get um, different, you can get the whole nuts, you can get them in extracts. They're actually kind of cool. They're sort of a, they look sort of like a cross between a walnut and a pistachio. They are sort of greenish red in different um, parts of the seed. And um, it's it's said to have some pretty good health effects. Uh, it can help with, um, in some cases, it's said to help with digestion, with depression, some things like that. And uh, it's, it's a good product and it's used as flavoring quite a bit and, uh, or it's consumed whole. Um, it's not especially uh, caffeinated, right? Like there is caffeine in it, but it's not nearly as much as like a cup of coffee. Another one that's very popular is cocoa. So what comes from cocoa? Chocolate comes from cocoa. Uh, it is native in the wild to South America. And um, it's also called sometimes Theobroma, which in Latin means the food of the gods. There are legends that Montezuma, um, the, the king of Mexico, uh, would drink as much as 50 cups of cocoa per day. Now, whether that's true or not, no one really knows. Who knows? I don't know. Um, but it is, it's been traced back a long way. We can probably find cocoa in human consumption as far back as about 200 BCE, maybe even a little bit farther. And um, the first hot cocoa drinks were probably made from sort of uh, a mash of cocoa seeds that was bred or that was brewed that way. Um, today, a lot of our cocoa in the world is grown in Africa along the Ivory Coast and in Ghana. And they are probably the primary exporters of cocoa today. Um, it does have a fair amount of caffeine in it. Now, again, it is not nearly on the scale of coffee or something like that, but per ounce or per 30 grams, which is about an ounce, you may see uh, from a dark chocolate bar about 20 grams of caffeine, which is not, I mean, it's about a third probably or less of um the amount that you might get out of like a, a shot of espresso or something. But that's actually not bad, right? Milk chocolate has very little caffeine in it. Uh, and dark chocolate is by far the, the highest concentration of caffeine. Again, it's not so much that it's probably going to wake you up and make you super alert, but it will mess with those A2A receptors and it can make you happy. Chocolate makes you happy, right? Chocolate makes me happy. I think we should be, um, you know, having more chocolate in our lives. Anyway, yeah, it, I guess it depends on if you're trying to lose weight or not, or if you like chocolate. Not everyone likes chocolate. I think it's a little weird, but whatever, that's fine. 
Um, there's also some other types of teas. Uh, there is a South American tea. And some of you have probably heard of this. This has become kind of popular over the past few years for some reason. It was uh, uh, kind of a buzzword for a while. But it comes from a South American holly. And it's called Yerba Mate. Yerba Mate. It's a South American holly tree. Ilex paraguensis. Para Paraguriensis, Ilex paraguriensis. So this is probably grown in uh, Paraguay, different parts of South America. Um, it is high in caffeine. Um, one cup uh, has about 80 milligrams of caffeine, which is a little bit lower than maybe black coffee, but it's but it's pretty close. Has lots of antioxidants in it. Um, it's probably in some studies. Uh, suggested that it may be higher in antioxidants even than green tea. Also has lots of vitamins and minerals in it. Um, I've actually never had yerba mate, um, but apparently it is quite an acquired taste. I've seen it described as bitter and smoky. Um, uh, it's it's prepared sometimes in a gourd and consumed through a metal straw and you add water as you drink it. I think that's interesting. I would be, um, you know, willing to try that someday. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, but, but again, it's apparently a, um, acquired taste. You have to be kind of careful with it too. There are some alkaloids in it and caffeine itself is an alkaloid. Uh, but there are some studies that have found that if you drink like two liters a day, which that's a lot, by the way. But if you're drinking like uh, two liters of yerba mate a day, there is some evidence to suggest that it may be a carcinogen, right? So it can be cancer-causing. Now, I I don't know that the... um, Research on that is super strong. I'm not really sure, but definitely anything in huge quantities, including just coffee and caffeine, can definitely um, be kind of hard on you, can be kind of hard on you. Um, another one uh, is is matcha tea, and you've you've probably seen this. Um, it has uh, not quite as much caffeine, about 30 um, milligrams per cup. Uh, which is about a third of the dose or or a little bit more than a third of a dose. But it's been shown to maybe help with, um, you know, detoxification, which uh, that's kind of a buzzword for me because detoxification is the, the reason we have, um, you know, kidneys and the liver, and that's their job. So don't drink matcha tea to, like, detoxify your body. Just have a liver. Have a liver. Have two. No, don't have two. Have two kidneys, have one liver. That's how it's supposed to be. Um, One nice thing about matcha tea and something that, uh, one reason people drink it is it can be consumed pretty safely at night because, again, it is uh, fairly low in caffeine. It unlocks some of those happy feelings in your brain, Um, and but it it doesn't... uh, keep you awake or keep you super stimulated. So you can drink matcha and go to bed just the same as like a lot of teas or a lot of cocoa drinks. So uh, one last one that I want to talk about that's pretty interesting and it kind of hits close to home for me is Yopon tea. Yopon tea. So Yopon tea comes, as you might have guessed, if you know about some Texas plants, from the Yopon holly. So that is a native Texas plant, and uh, it 
grows quite well in a lot of the state. Um, I've talked about this before. It's called Ilex vomitoria. So it's true holly. It is a evergreen holly. has little tiny leaves and bright red berries in the winter. So right now, ours in the garden looks beautiful. Um, it's called Ilex vomitoria for a reason. The berries are pretty toxic. Now, they're not like so toxic they're going to kill you or something. But as the name suggests, they will make you pretty sick if you consume any amount or any large amount of them. Uh, birds eat them. They're great winter forage for birds. But they have a different type of metabolism than you, you non-bird organism. And they can process out some of the alkaloids and different things in those berries. However, the leaves from the Yopon holly um, have been called the North American yerba, yerba mate. Have been called, in some cases, the North American Yerba mate. So again, they're in the same genus as um, the, I'm going to say this wrong, yeah, the Ilex paraguriensis. I'm sure I said that wrong. Um, but, but it has about the same caffeine content in the leaves, but probably a milder flavor uh, than the Yerba mate. So um, as the, the cowboys were working out in, in Texas and across some of these ranges, uh, Yopon Holly was actually fairly ubiquitous. It was easy to find. And coffee was expensive for a long time. Now, you may say coffee is expensive today, and yes, it is. Um, but it is not nearly as hard to get as it once was, right? Coffee was a delicacy at, uh, for a lot of our history. For a lot of the history of the consumption uh, of the plant, it was very expensive and very hard to get. So uh, it was discovered that the leaves of the Yopon holly, or it was it was discovered, they probably learned from oral traditions um, from the native peoples of this area who used that plant for thousands of years before the cowboys wandered their way through here, right? I, it was discovered. Uh, that is some great historical, cultural, deep knowledge of the peoples of this area that was passed on and was actually pretty useful for folks in modern times. So um, it it's brewed the same way. You make sort of a tea out of it. It doesn't taste like coffee, but it has actually a nice flavor. This one I have had. Uh, it has, you know, less caffeine than coffee, but it is fairly... Um, caffeinated, right? It's maybe about 80%, maybe a little bit less uh, than coffee. Um, but I think it's pretty interesting. So a lot of people, if they brew uh, Yopon tea, will add berries, not the Yopon berries. No, no, don't do it. Bad. Uh, but berries from different plants to add some flavor to it and make it maybe a little more uh, pleasant to drink, even though it probably is a little sweeter and a little bit more um, palatable than Yerba Mate to begin with. Well, that's my last one. Okay, I like Yopon Hollies. I think they're pretty plants, and I think that's a good note to end on. This is not an extensive list, and uh, if you're interested in this topic, hit me up. Let's talk about it. I would love to interview you on the show if you know more about different sources of caffeine and you'd be happy to talk, or you would like to talk about it. Hit me up. Let's let's chat. Let's get you on an episode. Um, aside from that, I hope you enjoyed this. This series is a lot of fun to make. I don't know what next month's episode is going to be about, but these are always going to come out the fourth week of the month. And um, we'll be about plants somewhere in the world uh, or all over the world, kind of like today. I hope you all have a great week. We have a wonderful episode actually next week, the first um, Tuesday in February with my friend uh, Paul Chomo, who is just a wonderful human. They are 
excellent podcasters. They are the host of the um, Varmints podcast, and I think you're really going to enjoy that episode with Paul, where we talk about survival skills and using plants in the wild. Y'all are rad. I love every one of you humans, and I will talk to you 